Well, amen. We are glad you're here this morning. Welcome to the Lord's house. It's a joy to be here to worship together this morning. And we're going to begin, I want to begin our service uh, praying over our time of giving today. We're going to begin our service uh, by thinking about giving. And so if you're giving online, you certainly are welcome to do that. You can give online through our website. You can text LLBC to 73256, or you can certainly give. Our offering containers are out in the lobby, so as you leave uh, this morning, you can certainly give that way as well. And we just want you to know we're so glad that you're faithful in every area of our life. And so we worship the Lord through our giving this morning. And following our time of giving, uh, we'll have baptisms as we celebrate baptisms together this morning. And then Brother Dwayne is ill this week, and uh, he text yesterday and said he was not going to be able to be here today so our praise team Ashley Claiborne is going to come and lead us in worship after our baptism uh, along with our praise team and orchestra and choir so we're just looking forward to a great time of worship together but I want to pray over our offering and then Pastor Andy John is coming and uh, to baptize this morning as we celebrate baptism together let's pray Father thank you so much for allowing us the privilege to come to your house this morning Lord it's a joy And we're able to come in and to worship you uh, through our giving, through our singing and our expression of praise and thanksgiving to you. And Father, through hearing the message, your word to us proclaimed, and we just pray for every aspect of our service today. Lord, would you receive our offerings this morning, Lord, and bless them and multiply them and use them so that others might come to know Christ. And, Father, we pray for our time of worship that it would be pleasing to you. And for our time of hearing the word, Lord, it would be life-changing, be transforming in our lives because we've heard a word from you today. And so, God, we just pray your blessings on the service today. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, good morning. Welcome into Lindsay Lane. It's good to see everybody today. I want to read just a, a verse of Scripture before our baptism. This is from... Acts chapter 16, verse 31 through 34 says, They replied, Believe in the Lord Jesus, and you will be saved along with everyone in your household. And they shared the word of the Lord with him and with all who lived in his household. Even at that hour of the night, the jailer cared for them and washed their wounds. And then he and everyone in his household were immediately baptized. And he brought them into his house and set a meal before them. And he and his entire household rejoiced because they all believed in God. Y'all, we're about to baptize an entire household this morning. Amen? Amen. All right, Jackson, you ready, bud? Come on down, man. This is Jackson Russell. Go ahead, look out there, man. They're they ready for you. Wave at them. So, hey, hey. There you go. There it is. All right, Jackson, have a seat right there, man. Right there. There you go, bud. There you go. During the message today, I'm going to give you a point relative to enthusiasm. I want you to remember this picture right here, all right? This guy is fired up. Jackson, have you called upon the name of the Lord Jesus to be saved? Amen. Well, based upon that profession of faith, I now baptize you as my brother in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. You can hold your nose now, buddy. You can hold your nose. There you go. There you go. Awesome. All right, Whitney. This is Whitney Russell. And they're also excited, but their excitement has been has been also with, with parenting up here as well. So we're excited for all y'all. Whitney, proud for your family. Have you called upon the name of the Lord Jesus to be saved? Amen. 
Well, based upon that profession of faith, I now baptize you as my sister in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. All right, Josh, come on down, man. And this is the Father. This is Josh Russell. Josh, I'm super proud of you, man. Um, Keep the humble heart and the questions coming, man, because God's got his hand on you. Have you called upon the name of the Lord Jesus to be saved? Amen. Based upon that profession of faith, I now baptize you as my brother. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. 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 Let's pray together and thank God together. Amen. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you continue to work on us. Lord, we see before us what a work that you do from our heart to the outside. I thank you for the Russell family, Lord. I pray that this would be a first step of obedience towards days of grace and obedience. I thank you, O oh God, for their excitement. And our Lord, I pray today that we would be reminded as we stand and we sing, that we would be reminded of, God, what you have done to clear our slate and to make a way for us to have eternal life. Lord, may we never forget it and may it never get old. I thank you, O oh God, for what we have seen today that has already told us in your scriptures, God, that your spirit is working to save families. Lord, we love you and we praise you and we sing because of you. In Jesus' name, amen. Will you stand together with us as we celebrate and worship our great God?
scripture says in Psalm 34, verses 1 through 3, I will praise the Lord at all times. I will constantly speak of his praises. I will boast only in the Lord. Let all who are helpless take heart and come. Let us tell of the Lord's greatness. Let us exalt his name together. Just a doorway into resurrection life. If 
seated as we prepare our hearts to take the Lord's Supper today. If this is your first time taking the Lord's Supper with us here at Lindsay Lane or the first time taking it all together, uh, what you have with you is both the bread and the juice in one cup. If for some reason you were able to or are not able to receive uh, the elements of the Lord's Supper on your way in, we have deacons that are right there in the back. And uh, if you want to just turn around and get their attention, they're, they're over the building. We have a couple over here and a couple over here. And uh, if you are not able to receive this on the way in, if you just kind of slip your hand up and catch eyes with them, uh, they'll make sure to, uh, to get you this before we get started. Amen. I want to thank our deacons for serving. I want to thank our praise and worship team for uh, standing in the gap as our leader is, is not feeling well. And uh, thank the Lord for their service. Amen. They did a great job. We uh, appreciate that. And so there's a little bit of instruction as we continue to use these. If you've not used these before, but if you peel away the first film, you're going to have the, the bread. And then the second will be the juice. And we've adjusted for the times and um, we'll continue to do so until we see fit to do it a different way. But there are two special ordinances or, or given orders in Scripture for believers. And today, you've already seen the first one in believer's baptism, and then we're taking part in the second, which is the observance of communion or the Lord's Supper. The Lord's Supper is an incredible meal with an incredible purpose. And God's Word leads disciples of Jesus to take bread and juice often with the purpose of remembering and proclaiming. When we receive the bread, we receive his body broken for us. And when we receive the juice, we remember the blood of Christ that is poured out for our sins. And the blood of Christ is important because, yes, it is sacrificial, spilled on our behalf, but it's also important to remember that the blood of Jesus Christ will last. The new covenant accomplishes what the blood of animals could not. You see, the blood of Jesus was not a sacrifice for sin. It is the sacrifice for sin. Blood of Jesus be my all, all my hope and righteousness. And John the Baptist said of Jesus in John 1.29, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. So today, remember with reverence that your sin, if you have called upon the name of the Lord to be forgiven of sin, has been removed because, not that you have called, but because God gave of himself and gave his son to live and to die and to rise again for your eternal life. And that the blood sacrifice of Jesus washes away all our transgressions. And the Lord's Supper, while it is about remembering, it is also about proclaiming. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians eleven twenty six, For every time you eat this bread and you drink this cup, you are announcing the Lord's death until he comes again. So think about that. Every time we take the Lord's Supper, we demonstrate together as a church that we believe in the cross and in the resurrection, and we believe that Jesus will do as he said and will come again. 
because of the great purpose of this meal, there is just a level of seriousness that's associated with it. 1 Corinthians eleven twenty eight instructs us to examine ourselves before eating the bread and drinking the cup. So this meal, because it's, it's so meaningful, it's taken by believers with a genuine heart of repentance and reverence by all who receive it. So let's take just a moment to reverently remember the sacrifice and love of our King by bowing our heads. And in this quiet moment, I would encourage all of us to search our heart. And for whatever the Spirit of God would bring to our mind as sin, that we would confess and forsake it. And we would also take just a quiet moment before the Lord to remember the price that was paid for our redemption, for our entrance into heaven, a place that we don't deserve, but that God made a way for us to have. Now, if you'll take the bread in hand. The scripture says in Luke twenty-two nineteen, He took some bread and he gave thanks to God for it. And then he broke it in pieces and gave it to his disciples saying, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this to remember me. Now, if you're prepared to take the juice. Luke twenty-two twenty. 20. After supper, he took another cup of wine and said, This cup is the new covenant between God and his people. An agreement confirmed with my blood, which is poured out as a sacrifice for you. Oh Lord, as we prepare our heart to receive your word, God, may we always understand as much as we can the price that was paid for our sin. Lord, give us the sense to stay away from it. Give us, O oh God, the desire to live forgiven and anew, knowing that your Spirit is empowering us to do what's right, to honor you. God, we thank you for giving us the Lord's Supper that we can stop and remember our eternity was not bought by our own works, but by your grace and through your blood. And we thank you, O oh God for the work that you've done for us that we could not do for ourselves. And may we proclaim that you are coming again and that the gospel is still available every day by how we live and by what we say. 
And Lord, I pray our church will be faithful witnesses of the good news. And the church said, Amen. If you have your Bibles, you can turn once again to Nehemiah. Nehemiah chapter 4 is where we'll be again this morning as we have cast vision over the last month or so, and as we continue to talk about walking that vision out and what that looks like together as a church. And you can continue to read along with me in Nehemiah in the next week or so as we'll finish out this series and may revisit Nehemiah once again. But as you're turning there, I I want to give you this illustration as we begin. I've read that training to become a United States Army Ranger is especially intense. Your physical limits are tested to the extreme. And then, according to one testimony, the soldiers, after they are individually tested, they are then tested together. One soldier told of four or five ranger students being placed in a rowboat together after the end of a period of food and sleep deprivation. And according to his testimony, you have some in the boat that are about to fall asleep in the water off the side because they are tired, miserable, and hungry. And you have some that have never been in a boat in their life. And on the back of the boat is a leader that is working to get everybody in that boat going in the same direction. If you don't row the boat, then the boat goes nowhere. And if one side perks up and rows, but the other side it stays within their withdrawal, then the boat goes in circles. The soldier said that in ranger school, their goal is to get everyone to, quote, give way together. To give way together. And if you don't give way together... You don't get anywhere. If we continue to consider the question individually, what's important to us that is important to God? When we ask ourselves that question and then we have the answer that we have sought the Lord for and what we see in Scripture and then we deduce from that what we will do and who will it influence, one thing I know that is important to God that should be important to the church is unity in the body. I've shared this with our staff over and over. If there's one message that God continues to put on my heart the longer I preach, it is unity in the body. That we all stay together going in the same direction, one in spirit, one in purpose. And therefore, if unity is important to God, and we know that it is because we see it in the Scripture, then it must be important to the church. The Apostle Paul said in Philippians chapter 2, verse 2, Make my joy complete. By agreeing wholeheartedly with each other, loving one another, and listen to this, and working together with one mind and purpose. And Nehemiah, the people of God are working together. That's what's happening. They have bought into the vision of one of God's great leaders, and they are building a wall around Jerusalem. And in doing so, the people of God, who were to be a blessing to the world, would be protected and once again be purposed to be a blessing to the world as they were deemed to be all the way back in Genesis. And while they were working on the wall, as we said last week, God was working on them. When you are in a position of service and you are serving, God is going to work as much on you as you feel that you are working for Him. And what followed the building of the wall, you'll see in Scripture, 
was humble confession, obedience, songs of thanksgiving. And the scripture says that when the people worked together, the vision of building that wall and defending the people and the people once again headed towards being a blessing to the world, the scripture says the vision was fulfilled. The hearts of the people were once again right before the Lord. And by the way, once again means that it can once again be right with you and God again. Once again is fine. Just come on in here and let's talk about it. But the Bible says when the vision was fulfilled, that the joy of the people of Jerusalem could be heard far away. That it would reverberate it in the communities and the towns nearby. Chapter 12, verse 43 says that you could hear the joy of the people on the outside and throughout the city. But before the wall, there was work. Before the joy, there was getting after it. There was accomplishing of the vision. And with the work, there was opposition. And y'all, it would be the same for us. If we are one in spirit, one in purpose, we are working together for the glory of God and the good of man, as we've said in previous weeks, there will be spiritual opposition. Some of you have had it this morning before you even got here. That it was a blessing of God that you made it here because y'all thought y'all would kill each other before you got your clothes on. And thank God that you're here. But some of us know this, and maybe it wasn't this Sunday, but it was a couple Sundays ago or whatever. You wanted to, but you didn't. And something was getting in your way. And attitudes, y'all know this. Our attitudes on Sunday morning, the Spirit of God is working in us, but Satan is working against that attitude to burn you down before you ever get in the car. As we talk about the vision for our church and working for the glory of God together and for the good of man together, as we begin to raise up first-time short-term missionaries together, as we begin new works in our church and outside in our community that God would lead us to together as we work for a diversity of fellowship together. These are God-sized efforts that will take the work of the church and the defense of God because we will need Him against opposition, even from ourselves. Today, let's turn to chapter 4 as we finish up or follow up and how the people prayed before they worked and then I want you to consider two principles today as we think about what God would have us to do individually, yes, but also corporately together for His glory. If you call Lindsay Lane your church home, whether you are a member or a regular attender, that this is the vision that is set before you to work together for the glory of God and the good of man. If this is what's in front of us, I want you to, to consider together these two things as we reach the end of the message. Nehemiah chapter 4 verse 6 says this, at last the wall was completed to half its height around the entire city. For the people had worked with enthusiasm. Worked with enthusiasm. The walls were restored to half its height at this point. Uh, you, you can go and, and look on the internet and see pictures of a, a remnant of a wall that is still remaining of what Nehemiah's charge accomplished. Stones one on top of the other, surrounding an entire city. And, and they were in ruins. But it says up until this point, as the vision was cast, and the people came together, and they began to get to work, then it was restored to half its original height. And the Bible says, at last, the wall was completed to half the height. 
And that means that it took him a while. But at last was not referring to years and years and years of labor. No, at last meant that after all that time, the walls lying in ruins, now they're finally being restored to what they were supposed to be. Surrounding God's people who were to be a blessing to the world. That they were not to be a disgrace. They were to be a purpose people of blessing, an example, an influence to the world around them. And how could they do that in this day and time when they don't even have city walls? And the gates are falling down. And so within Nehemiah's passion, the walls were being built up by the people of God under the defense of God. And at last, it was completed to half its height. The truth is, y'all, it only took them 52 days to do the whole thing. If you look in Nehemiah 6.15, 52 days, they had the entire wall built up around that whole city. Now, if that's the case, that means that half the wall was built in a month. Around the entire city, half of this wall, how in the world did a people during this day and time do this so expeditiously? Well... The first thing is, is that the Lord had defended them. They had the favor of God because it was the will of God. And also, the second thing is, is they got after it. They worked together. And they didn't just work, because you see the scripture, they worked with enthusiasm. It meant something to them, man. They weren't just showing up and clocking in. Jackson, I wanted you to see that and that picture of enthusiasm, a child being baptized. I asked him the question. I said, have you called upon the name of the Lord? By the time I got to have you called, he said, yes. Like he didn't even let me get the rest of it out. I know what you're going to say. And let's give it. I'm ready, man. I'm ready. Like ready. That's, that is, that's influential. Y'all, that's contagious. Because if you ain't got that kind of energy getting fired up about being saved and going to heaven on what God has done for you, it's time to remember it. It's time to take the Lord's Supper and think about what God has done for you. And, and when you were that innocent before God, but that guilty before God, and you knew it, and you understood what God had done for you to save your soul, that word enthusiasm, it indicates an attitude. It's, again, not just clocking in, it's wanting to knock it out. That is the attitude of, I want to be a part of this and do whatever y'all got to do for the glory of God and the good of man. The King James Version says it this way. I love this. And the wall was joined together under the half thereof. For the people had a mind to work. The people had, listen to this part, a mind to work. You see, if you look in chapter 3, there's people working all over that city. All different kinds of gates. Some of the gates were desirable, some of them were not. And they were all separate in their responsibility. But there was one focus. The Bible says they had a mind, not a bunch of minds to work. Together for the glory of God and the good of man. Y'all, we've done this already. This church has done this for years. They've come together around a vision, around a common goal, not giving up anything that God would have them to do individually, but contributing to the oneness that God desires from his church to make a difference in the world around them for the gospel. We've done this already lately. We took under the task of funding a missions budget for the next year. We took up an offering on one day. I announced to you lately that $198,000 was given towards missions. Every single dime of it was given towards missions. But that's old news because now it's 221000 Come on. Listen, that 
And, and, and y'all, I'd love to tell you I cut that check, but I didn't. That's all of us working together. For the glory of God, all of that, every single penny of that goes towards missions. And all that, we go in there and they're trying to ask us, y'all can take that somewhere else, man. We're trying to make a difference here. You want to go complain to another church that ain't doing nothing by, by all means. We're going to get after it. And, and that's part of it, is the generosity of the church to make something happen that's greater than an individual. I, I, when I look at those numbers, my mouth drops open every time. It's big as a wagon wheel to me. I don't know about y'all. But I think to myself, only God could do that. Only God can move across a bunch of different people for the same purpose to make a difference like that and to entrust into his leaders that he's called to do with it what he's called them to do with. And the scripture says in Proverbs thirteen four, the soul of the diligent is richly supplied. Not just a soul, but a soul of the diligent is richly supplied. When the people of God have a mind to work, enthusiasm to accomplish the values of God for his glory and the good of man, advancement is not a matter of if, it's when. You know, when we come together around a, a vision to make a difference for what God values, it's not a matter of if it's going to work. It's going to work because it's the will of God. But there's a difference between working and working with enthusiasm. You know what I'm talking about? How many of y'all have ever showed up to work and then showed up to work with enthusiasm. There's a great difference. In a Japanese restaurant, the, the chef cooks in front of you. Somebody say amen. <laughs> the, the chef will wield a knife and flip shrimp into the patron's mouths. It's amazing. They will move onions in front of you on the grill as if a choo-choo train is passing before you. The smoke rises. It's awesome. This is my favorite. They put soy sauce on a bed of rice and call it Dr. Pepper. It makes me laugh every time. <laughs> Easily entertained. It's energetic entertainment. And it's supposed to be that way. It's supposed to be that way. In college, myself and three friends went to a, a restaurant that did exactly this. And we had the worst hibachi chef of all time. He was terrible, awful. Like he he would he sat before us. He's like, "Welcome in, guys." Like, "All right, man. Hey, good to see you." And he starts and he like hits a knife on the table like three times and he just starts cooking. I'm like, "What?" Hey, what about the choo choo thing? He's like, and he seriously he took like his knife. He took like his knife and he went like one of those. And then he rolled his eyes and then like just pushed some onions out. And I was like, no, Dr. Pepper and the soy sauce. Like, that's what you guys do. None of that. No energy. It was like he annoyed that we showed up. It was late. I know it was late. He probably had a long day, and you never know what somebody's going through. And more than likely, he had something on his mind. But whatever it was, it stole his enthusiasm for the work. If you grow tired of what's important to God... Your energy is still being spent on something. What has your mind? I want you to think about that. What has your mind right now? Some of you ain't even locked in yet. What has your mind? Because whatever has your mind has your activity. If your kids take up all of your mind, they got all of your activity. 
If your work has all of your mind, it's got all of your activity. What has your mind? If worry has your mind, it's got all of your activity. Whatever has your mind has your hands and has your feet. My application for us all is to pray on purpose for our activity to be actually for His glory. For us to think about the goodness and the glory of God. For us to pray and to put ourselves before the Lord daily for what He would have us to accomplish individually and corporately for whatever is important to Him. The people of God in Nehemiah don't forget what preceded their work was a bunch of praying. They prayed. Their leaders prayed. They sought the Lord together. They factored God in. They demonstrated faith by praying. Their work didn't take away from their prayers and their prayers didn't steal away from their work. In fact, this is why we pray. Because it produces a harvest of zeal and activity for what God cares about. Now y'all listen to this. In fact, I would suggest to you that if there has been a better season of serving and desire in your past, it's likely connected to a lack of prayer in your present. It's, it's because we don't care because our minds are wrong. Whatever has your mind, it has your activity. Some of the new folks here are absolutely just like the young man before you, ready to bust through and do a great work for the glory of God. Some of the seasoned folks here are ready to bust through and do a great work for the glory of God, just that they've always done. It has nothing to do with whether you're old or you're new. It has everything to do with what has your head, what has got your mind. What has your mind has your activity. The entire people of God were wrapped up in so much of God's work because of what his will was for their life. And they worked together to the point that God defended them and it changed the whole culture for a time. Now the whole story of Nehemiah is even so how much we need Jesus as he comes later because they still are like a roller coaster. Before time, there was a great work of God done within a people of God because they gave the Lord what was due unto him. Not just showing up to work, but working with enthusiasm. Y'all, enthusiasm is contagious. Fear is contagious. It'll take you out, take a bunch of folks out. But so is enthusiasm. I love being around leaders where when I'm feeling like we can't, they're like, I think we can, and we just go on and knock the door down. Some of us need that revival in our life. And we don't get it by withdrawing from church and from the Lord. We get revival by going to God, by praying to God, by seeking God in His Word. We don't get fired up to do what we used to do in love by dragging around and poking our lip out. Come on! If you want God, you can get Him, I promise. You can get as much of Him as you want to get. Work with enthusiasm. If you're in here and you're excited and you're ready to go, then let's go. If you've been in here for a long time and you're not sure about me, then you start praying about me. If you've been in here for a long time and all the things are things that you used to do but you don't do anymore, then you need to ask God what it is He wants you to do now. Be revived 
And let's work with enthusiasm. I move on to the second point, which is stay on guard. Stay on guard. The news of the wall being restored to half its size, it began to spread to the surrounding people groups. And it made them mad because they were the enemies who opposed the rebuilding plans. They were not just enemies of a people group. They were enemies of God because this was God's people. And that was frustrating to the people. In fact, if you look back, this is not all just rainbows and sunshine. There was a time when they complained. They started complaining. And that's another sermon for another day. But there was criticism and there was complaining. And, and they were all like, why are we doing this? And all them people over there are going to come in and get us. And Nehemiah just started praying again. And, but all of this, if you think about what's being done, it's frustrating. Because there's real progress being made, but there's also a real threat of opposition. Like spiritual opposition that, that's in the form of people that is opposing the work of God. Now, when you have opposition in your life, and some of you know exactly what I'm talking about, because you have been thinking about what's going on as opposition in your life today, and really not giving any thought yet to what God would say to you. But if there is opposition, it's enough sometimes to make you want to quit. Seriously, just it's, it's hard. Spiritual opposition, opposition to the work of God that you know is right, but you keep facing a wall, it, it is hard to do, and sometimes it will make you want to stop. The hard work of building a wall for the glory of God threat of a real enemy, it would seem justified just to be exhausted, fearful, frustrated, stressed out to the point where you started. Stop. Listen to this. As we've said before, if you are figuring out what's important to you, that's important to God, you can bet there will be some resistance. Hear this. In fact, the the people of God, as you read the Bible, you're going to see a reoccurring theme where the people of God are up against opposition most the entire time in Scripture. All the way through Genesis to Revelation. Because there's evil in the world. Satan is the prince over this world for a time until Jesus says that's enough. Like that's what we're experiencing. Some of you have returned to church and you're fired up and there's somebody that's discouraging you. That's a common song. In fact, bless your heart, some of those folks are in your own home. In your own family. You've gone to a different denomination or you've tried something else or something that that God is blessing is now getting to you and somebody because they don't have that same energy and blessing is discouraging you and discouragement can be a dagger. A spiritual opposition. Some of you are trying a new ministry. You want to, you're serving, you're trying it out, you're finding you need the grace and strength of God and Satan just keeps throwing your past at you. How can you serve in this way? Don't you remember what you did? Some of those folks that you're ministering to, even them saw you do it. They know who you are. You're trying to to discern your gifting and you're wanting to know what God would have you to do. And you're just in a season of waiting. You're waiting for an opportunity. What it is, God, that you want me to do? What is it, Lord, that you would have me to work on? I know you've called me to ministry. There's not an open door. And the waiting is enough to call you to quit. You want to go on mission. Some of you would love to take in a marriage weekend. We have one of those coming up in February where we retreat with married couples. We pour into them. Some of the resistance of that is coming from your spouse. You want to go on a mission trip. Some of the resistance of that is coming from a family member. Somebody saying something like, how come have you got to go all the way over there when we got lost people over here? And then you get to tell them that Lindsay Lane's going to cover it all. Good grief. 
How come y'all going to go over there? Because God said to. And, and so you begin to think about all these things that God would have you to do because He is all in you and over you and you respond to a call to ministry, but then your schedule is tight and so is the resources. You see, this is the opposition. Some, somebody say amen that you've been through some of these things before. Man, you're ministering to people, but it's people that are the problem. Like, you've been through some of these things. But I want you to take a lesson from the forward movement of a faithful people of God in Nehemiah that did not quit. When the opposition threatened, the Bible says, to come from all directions and attack, it was almost like, well, y'all come on because we built a wall. I love that now. You guys bring it on over because that's why we're building the wall. And God is their defender. And the people of God, when the enemy threatened, they did not drop everything to defend. And they also didn't work according to blind faith and not give any consideration to the enemy. If you're in a position where there's opposition, you got to do what you see in the scripture right here. you got to carry both a sled and a sword. you got to tote the blocks and you got to carry a weapon. I hear that in the spiritual context. Lord, have mercy. you got to carry a spiritual weapon, which we'll get to in just a moment. But they worked, and they watched, and they watched, and they worked. In Nehemiah chapter 4, verse 9, the Bible says, But we prayed to our God and guarded the city day and night to protect ourselves. This is both the sovereignty of God and the responsibility of man. God is protecting and defending. The people are praying and they're working. In chapter 4 alone, we read, listen to this, in chapter 4, in verses 9, 13, 15 through 18, and 21 through 23, we read where Nehemiah and the people of God stayed on guard. What's repeated is important. You cannot look at chapter 4 of Nehemiah and not come away if you're preaching and not be able to tell the people you have got to guard yourselves against enemy and opposition. Very real. He placed armed guards around the city. He placed leaders behind the workers to, to watch over their work and ready to defend against opposition. But even more than that, you would think that everyone had the responsibility or, or only a few people had the responsibility to guard, but truly it was everybody Because the Bible says in verse 17, the laborers carried on their work with one hand supporting the load and one hand holding a weapon. Can you picture that in your head? They're laying block with a hand on their sword. People are guarding day and night. For what they are guarding is the will and the way of God. And as one Christian author said, building and battling are both a normal part of Christian life if we are faithful disciples. Some of us aren't battling because we ain't living a Christian life. Can I go and lay that down? That's the truth of it. Satan's got you right where he wants you, so he just leaves you alone. But building and battling are a normal part of the Christian life. I love the fall. Man, I love the fall. As the weather begins to turn, it cools off a little bit. It's, it's my favorite. Last night we were over to a friend's house and, and they had a bonfire. And while they were building this bonfire, there were kids all around it. So they were both working and watching. And one of them would say the very thing. They would be, they would say things like, pour more lighter fluid on it. Like you hear in North Alabama during the fall time, fall season. But then another one would say in the same family, y'all watch out and don't get too close to the fire. 
You see, they were both working and watching. And because they were working and watching, the fire gets lit. If all you're doing is watching, there will be no fire. Because you're so afraid of what's going to get you. You're so afraid to have another conversation, a new conversation, a new friend, a new group. You're scared to death of a mission trip because you don't know what's waiting on the other side. And one time you read a story about what happened to somebody and it's going to happen to you. And fear is influential. And the more you think about what could happen, you're always just going to be on guard and you'll never build a fire. Think about that. On the other side is just as true. If all you're doing is working with no consideration to the truth of God as the sword of the Spirit, you'll work and the first whiff of opposition will take you down. And there's the balance that you see in Scripture as they were putting one block on the wall and one hand on their spear, on their sword. They were both in defense and getting after it. And because they were guarded against and focused on the work, a great wall was built. And the will of God accomplished. Y'all, listen to me. Serve the Lord and stay in His Word. That's as plain as I can make it. Because Christian, which one are you? Which one are you? Are, are you the one that's constantly on guard, scared to death of the next breath you're going to take? Are you the one that is frivolously going after anything but leaving doctrine behind? That's also foolish as well. And, and, and some, again, as we think about these things, some of us will never get to the point where we'll do any work because we're absolutely afraid and some of us will be quick to get knocked out. And let me put it this way. If you're guarding without working, take this note down. If you're guarding without working, there is fear. If you're working without guarding, there is foolishness. And if you are guarding while working, there is faithfulness. So both and. Work and stay on guard. Work and watch. Serve the Lord and take in His Word. Now, Christian, listen carefully. The threat that we face now is not a people group that's armed with swords and spears and about to charge into our church or our town. That's not what's happening. And you say to yourself, well, I know some folks, just listen to me for just a second. Because the Bible says it's a spiritual warfare that we are involved in. In Ephesians 6, 12, the Bible says we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in the dark world, against evil spirits in the heavenly places. That is what the Bible says we are up against. Yet we continue to shout down. We continue to make angry posts. We continue to do all these things and put people's name on it because they are the problem. Y'all, this kind of stuff's been going on since the beginning of the world. There's one source of frustration, and that is the enemy who is very real called Satan and the spiritual darkness that surrounds him. That may seem like some kind of sci-fi stuff to you, but that's biblical. There is spiritual darkness and opposition working through people, absolutely. But that is the enemy that we face. If our opposition is what we've just read in Scripture, that is wicked, spiritual, unseen, dark, evil, constantly harassing, 
Why would we think our social media post is going to get it? Why would we think that shouting somebody down on a street corner is going to knock it all out? This is why they prayed. Because it's bigger than that. Church, if you want to see this place stay the same as you like it or change for the better, then we need to get on our knees, man. Take this all to the Lord and let God work through us to make a difference for however He would want to, together for the glory of God and the good of man. Amen. How, why, why do we think that we could work in this way and everything would be solved? How do we guard against the immaterial opposition of temptation? That's, listen to me. Temptation, deception, discouragement. You gonna run a sword through that? You gonna shout that down? The Bible says, as we are thinking about how we live in defense in our culture, that if we are up against spiritual darkness, God gives us an armor in Ephesians that defends against us. But hey, it ain't just about defending. Because God gives us a weapon that's called the sword of the Spirit that is what? This Bible. The Word of God. That is our weapon. Verse 17, Ephesians 6 Take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Y'all, this is the Word. This is the weapon that is against those who would discourage you. And that doesn't mean you take the Bible and you knock them out. When you have been discouraged, all you got to do is open up the Bible and you read what God says about you. And then when you are discouraged because now you're coming to church and somebody shout you down because you are, you take God's Word, you see what it says, you do right by the Word of God and you carry on. It's the sword of the Spirit of God. This is the spiritual weapon against our own feelings. How we feel. If you feel down today, if you don't feel like you're worth anything, look and see the Scripture of what you're worth, that God sent His Son to die for you. That He knit you together in your mother's womb. This is how much investment He has in you for His glory. Yes, but His glory works for your good. It's the spiritual weapon against our own feelings. It's the spiritual weapon against bad teaching. Bad teaching that people have trusted for years and years. Whether through somebody else or studying them themselves. When you read the Word of God for yourself. Listen, on on the mission field I've heard stories before and you even see it in Scripture. You see it when Josiah was king. They find the Word of God. They open the Word of God. They read the Word of God and everybody begins to wail and cry. Because they find themselves living completely opposite of that. Bad teaching, bad feelings. Let God's Word wash over you. We cannot be Christians and not read our Bible. That's plain as I can make it. We need to be well-versed in the Scripture so that when we see deception, we'll know that it's coming because we already had a hand on our sword, man. We've been looking for you. God's Word speaks the truth. It'll cut the opposition to pieces. And as the sword of the Spirit, we're not thrusting at someone verbally or by social media Because it's not a physical battle. Instead, we are believing God's truth will last forever. Right in the heart of spiritual opposition, we'll take that sword and carve it to pieces. Where is your sword? Let me ask you this. How many of us are going to take this 
and when we walk out of here and throw it in the back seat and we'll catch it again next Sunday. Is that too particular? Listen, last Sunday, or Wednesday night, I preached Wednesday night, went home, studied Thursday morning. It finally hit me as I began to study. I left my Bible at church. It's going hard to study without my Bible. But y'all know what? I got a dagger at home. I just opened it and went after it there. Y'all, we live in a place where we got multiple Bibles and we don't read none of them. We get it on our phone. There are people waiting on the resources. We could send them through missions, waiting on resources. We got commentaries. We got anything you want. You can get it through Amazon in just a minute. A Christian culture of Bibles with no Bible scholars. The sword of the Spirit. Let me ask you, is the Word of God governing your family? You know, as I think about all the things in my life I'm thankful for, I look back in the history of my family and the history of my family being Christians, and one of the things I'm most thankful for, and I know we're running short on time, one of the things I'm most thankful for as I look back to my own family is that a lot of the things I believe in are because the Word of God was established way before me, my parents, and even my grandparents, man. So the living water is what we've been drinking for a long time. It governs. It governs our family. Is the Word of God governing your family? It's not too late. God's Spirit in you can break the cycle of a family you come from that's never honored God. It's not too late. Is the Word of God governing your family? Is the Word of God defending you? Do you know what it says if you're discouraged? Do you know what it says if there's opposition in your life? Do you know what it says? Are you entertaining temptation or stabbing a temptation through the heart by the Word of God? It's to be used for defense and offense. Let me close with this. As we think about all these things, that today has likely been mostly about the responsibility of man. When you think about our responsibility before God to accomplish the vision that He's given for what He values... When you think about our responsibility in that, it becomes very overwhelming. And you think to yourself, I don't know that I can get up every day and not have a bad day. I don't know that I can get up every day and, and just whistle and, you know, just whistle while we work and, and put those stones and hold my sword. Like, I, I don't know that I can do that every single day. You can't. And that's why you need the grace of God. The gift of God that is his grace. You know, the thing I learned about myself is I can be confident and live as a Christian because I know I'm a failure. But God's grace covers me. When the Bible says, God saved you by his grace when you believed. You can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. And so when we begin to think about, I don't know all the words, I don't know all the work, I know maybe I'm not the most unified person, I don't have a lot of enthusiasm, or maybe I need more, and you think about your strengths and your weaknesses and staying on guard and you fall short, so did they. And it's the grace of God that saw them through. We just sang a minute ago, I wrote it down as we were singing it, I will boast only in the Lord. So when you do accomplish the work together, even as a church or individually, and people are like, man, you've done a good work in your family. I will boast only in the Lord because there were times when I was weak. And there were times when my example didn't hold up. And there were times when I woke up and I didn't want to get after it. And I didn't want to serve. And I didn't know what it meant to my family and me. But by God's grace, I am His. And I will boast only in the Lord. Church, I would encourage us today individually to give way so that we may give way together. What is it?
that God is calling you to in this moment. Do you need to be saved straight up? Do you need to call upon the name of the Lord? You just saw a family all together that was baptized. You know you need more of God in your life, and you don't know if you have a right and real relationship yet. You need to be saved. You can walk this aisle right here. I'll meet you. you think, stop thinking about the opposition that is spiritual, that everybody's looking at you. Most of them are praying for you. And you come on down, and all you got to say those five words, I need, I need to be saved. And if you think to yourself, that's great. I'm not going to do that. I'll catch you after. That's fine with me, too. Some of us hadn't prayed at the altar in a long time because we're afraid of people think of what they think about us. Some of us know, God, that you don't have to come to the altar to pray, but it's been put on your heart before and you hadn't prayed at the altar. You need to be baptized. You need to take the next step and be a part of this church and join the church. How would God have you individually to give way to get, so that we may give way together? Let's stand to our feet. Lord, I've said a lot, probably too much. And I'm just praying, oh God, your spirit would preside over our hearts. Lord, there are people here that need to be right with you. There are people here that need to be revived. And God, as I prayed this morning for myself, I pray again that I would respond to your word and not just preach it. Lord God, I need you in my own life. Lord, I'm thankful for your grace that covers me. And I pray, Lord, for those who are in spiritual opposition today. God, that your word would be the sword that they use to make a way for their advancement. Lord, I pray in the name of Jesus for our church that you would bring us together under the unity of your word. Lord, I pray in the name of Jesus that those here with good intentions that desire to do right and to live right, turn a new page, oh God, that you would see them through. That you bar any opposition from getting into their family. We love you, O oh God, and thank you for your grace and your staying power even when we waver. Lord, we thank you for your Bible and what we see in the scriptures of people that work with enthusiasm and stay on guard. And Lord, may we never, never get tired of serving you and living according to your guardrails. We ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen. This altar is open for you. There is a name that echoes on eternal shores. All believers who have come before Jesus Christ forevermore. Your love is a man.
just a moment uh, as we close. Uh, we're going to give you some announcements today. Greg is actually serving in the children's ministry, but we have Reed Humphreys is going to come to the stage. One of the staff values we have here is Who Is You, which is basically raising up leaders. Reed is our pastoral intern for the fall. He's going to come give us some closing announcements. Good morning. If you, just a reminder, if you filled out the Connect card or the prayer requests on the back, if you would tear that off and drop it in one of the gray kiosks on your way out. Also, don't forget this coming Wednesday night from 6 to 8 is our trunk or treat. So be sure to be there for that and invite um, friends and family members to come. And if you look at your bulletin, the red spot here, there's a QR code that you can sign up for Hope for Athens. It is going to be on November the 6th. This is a local missions opportunity. So uh, scan that QR code and sign up if you're able. And that, that's it. So we'll close in prayer and then we'll be dismissed. Heavenly Father, we come before you and are so thankful for this opportunity to gather together to worship you and to study your word. Lord, we ask that you would be with us as we leave here and grant us enthusiasm to serve you in our daily life and guard us from the evil one and worldly distractions. We thank you for again for this day, and it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.